Hello and welcome to the Business of Authority. I'm Jonathan Stark. And I'm Rochelle Moulton. And have we got an offer for you. Yes! Yes! (laughs) (laughs) What's it going to take for me to get you in this car today? (laughs) 100% down, zero interest. Yeah. One dime down. The winners will get that ad joke. Okay, so uh, your job is your credit. (laughs) So today we want to talk about pitching. Pitching, that's not something we're supposed to do. Well, I think the pitching today that, that I want to talk about is not a sales pitch like to buy your services because we love to have sales conversations and discovery calls. No, it's not that. Really, what we want to talk about are why your pitches aren't landing. And by pitches, we're talking about maybe you're pitching to be a guest on a podcast or to get in front of someone else's audience, um, to speak. Anytime that you're kind of putting yourself out there in order to get something and give something to another party. Mm. another Another way I think of it is just you're raising your hand to be picked. You're putting yourself out there to be picked. It's like you're putting your hat in the ring and you want it to be picked. And what can you do when, let's say, a podcast host gets multiple pitches from potential guests every single day? You do want to do, you know, there's there's like a way you can pitch. In this case, you can pitch someone who's getting buried with applications, if you will, uh, in a way that's going to make you the most attractive option. Exactly. And we were joking before the show that like we could probably summarize this episode in a sentence and be done. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, really, because this is about understanding your audience and then taking what you have and figuring out how to match it to what they need. Wait, but you said audience. I don't. And it's that's accurate. Okay, your audience can be a single person. It can be the person who is the gatekeeper to a bigger audience, like the person at the conference that you're pitching, or a person who has a community and brings people in front of that community in some way, like video, audio, guest Mm -hmm. blogging, Mm -hmm. or pitching an article to somebody as well. Yep. It's it's almost never a a committee decision. Sometimes it is, maybe with a conference, but it's almost always like one person. Mm-hmm. who has the the thumbs up, the thumbs down power. So the the sort of air quotes trick to this, and the thing that almost no one seems to do, at least the people that try and come on TVOA or Ditching Hourly, it's like their message that they send indicates that they are only thinking about themselves. Mm-hmm. And they are not thinking in the least about me or us or what we want at all. It's mm-hmm. like there's this... It's like, look at how amazing this, you know, I look how amazing I am. And it's left to like <laughs> me and Rochelle to connect the dots about, well, what are you going to share with our audience that they'll be glad that they listened to this, this episode? There's just nothing there. They're all, almost always, almost always. Well, or they'll, they'll tell us something, but it's not something we want to teach to our audience. We don't teach it. Right. <laughs> we don't talk about it. And, you know, it's, oh, we can tell you how, how your people can get a raise. Uh, they have their own businesses. They don't care, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. I've yeah. gotten two in the last couple of weeks that had, hey, Jonathan, uh, we really loved the most recent episode of Show Name. 
Like it <laughs> literally? said, literally show said name. show name. <laughs> and I know they're, I know they are shotgunning a template out to every podcast that they can find. But if yeah. you don't even have, if, if you don't even have the courtesy to put the name of my show in there. Ouch. It's like, yeah, right. this is feeling really genuine. This is feeling like, and that's, that's obviously comical and it's, and it's, it's a mistake that I probably have made too, but, but it's, it's the extreme end of, I don't care about you. I only care about me. Well, I think we, we both see those and they are comical. And what's funny is we never pass them on to each other because we're like, I'm not going to waste the other person's time with this. Yeah, that's not going to do it. But a lot of times the intentions are much softer they're not comical. Like I'm thinking about what, one of the things that um, struck me um, and made me think about doing this for this episode is that I got a request on LinkedIn to connect. So this is a connection request. And in the connection request, this person mentioned that they have a, a book coming out, their first book coming out in October about X. And I kind of wanted to play it out and see what happened. And this is somebody who's, you know, in my space, you know, would theoretically be a good listener for TBOA, would sign up for for our lists, all those things. So I connected and I said, hey, you know, um, if uh, here's it's something I do with most people who reach out to me as I give them a link, I give them a, a one sentence description of what I do and give them a link to look at my stuff and see if they want to sign up for the emails. And so I, I write it to this guy and he goes, Oh, yeah, you know, I'll check it out. So what I figured out between the messages, one, he'd never listened to the podcast. He didn't, he never said he did. But the reason it was obvious is because he, what he was pitching, we never do. We've never had a first time author on here. And he could have figured that out. And then the third thing is he didn't sign up for my email list. Like, seriously, like if you want to, if you want to cozy up to the host, kind of a basic thing would be sign up for their email list hear how they speak, hear what they care about, and then craft a pitch because the book isn't coming out for a few months. So there's time. And it was just a question of, they were just clueless. Not, not a bad person, good intentions, I think. Um, not even particularly selfish, just tone deaf. Tone deaf, right. Yeah, yeah. And that's the thing. That's what we don't want to come across as. We don't want to be tone deaf. Right. And I think in any... I wouldn't go so far as to say negotiation because this isn't really a negotiation. It's a pitch. It's usually an email. Yeah. Probably you're not cold calling people on the phone. It's probably an email or outreach on social media, direct message on social media. And I always imagine like a mobster film. Like it always, I want to do a super cut of every movie and TV show where somebody goes, what do you want? It happens all the time. They, that line, what do you want? And it's delivered in a million different ways, sometimes kindly, sometimes not. But it's classic. Like, what do you want? You know, Godfather, House of Cards, Stranger Things. We can make a million of them. It would be hilarious. So if I'm going to reach out, if I'm going to bother somebody, if I'm going to cold contact somebody, I want to think, what do they want? What do you want? So like, what's in it? What is, think, think about what does a podcast host want? Listens. They want people to listen to the show, right? Like, I, I've never launched a podcast where I was like, I hope no one listens to this. <laughs> so every podcast host wants listens. And especially they want, you know, or downloads, whatever you call that metric. 
and especially listens from people who have never heard the show, new listeners. Mm-hmm. Guaranteed, if you're reaching out to a podcast host, they want that. All right, how do you help them get that? You could say something like, you know, in the outreach, it's like, oh, and, you know, and if I do come on the show, I've got a, a mailing list with 10,000 people on it and, you know, a, you know, 100,000 people across my social media accounts and I'll be sharing the episode 10 times over the course of the two weeks after it launches. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, it, 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 almost, it almost doesn't, I mean, it does still matter what you're going to talk about and that you know what you're talking about. But if we imagine that most people who are doing these pitches do know what they're talking about, but they don't say something like about what's in it for me, like what's in it for me? Oh, I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to expose you to all of my audience. You're going to get more listens. You're going to get more downloads. You're going to get more subscribers, all the things you know a podcast host wants. But they like never have that. They never say that. Yeah, I'm thinking of, um, I think it was uh, Pia Silva, actually, who wrote to us and asked us to come on her show. So, which was great. I mean, we love to do that. But she opened it by saying, I love your podcast, and I've given you a review. Oh, right. Well, that's another one. reviews are awesome, right? That's another thing podcast hosts love. So, I just love that she she's kind of did a favor and asked for a favor. It was it was pretty awesome. Yeah, that is a that's another classic one. Yeah, where like let's say you, let's say you wanted to get on a show and uh, it was you know you're punching above your weight, you know like the the normal guests are are household names something like that. Well, there's a lot of things you can do to give first before you even make the pitch, like you know, sharing their stuff on social media. Again, what do they want? They want to reach a bigger audience. They want more downloads. Mm-hmm. They never want fewer downloads. So it's like if you're sharing their stuff, if you're writing reviews, uh, if you're connecting with them on social media, if you're sh- amplifying their stuff, if they have a mailing list, you subscribe to it, you reply to the ones that you think are good. I mean, ideally, this is going to be genuine. Like you're going to like, you're going to be want to be on the show because you think it's a great show. Yeah, you're not going to offer this exposure to your audience if you don't think this other one is great. Yeah, so I just wanted to make that explicit. Like, you like this show, you want to be on it, but it's it's the level up from what you've been doing. There are all these genuine things you could do. Because I just listed a bunch of stuff that could be disingenuous. But if if it's genuine, that's going to show through. The review is going to, sh- it's going to feel real. The sh- comments that you make when you share their episodes their existing episodes are going to feel real. It's all going to feel real. When you're replying to them on their mailing list, it's going to feel real. So you can kind of lay the groundwork by giving first, like you said with Pia. And, and then when it's like, hey, who knows? They might see your, your signature line in your email and be like, oh, the ditching hour guy, what's that all about? And they mm-hmm. fall down your rabbit hole. Or you could explicitly say, hey, yeah, I've been listening to the show for a while. And I noticed that you never talk about pricing. It's always presumed that people are billing by the hour or whatever, how they monetize their expertise is always, it's always just, it's just not discussed. You know, do you think your audience would be interested in talking about or learning about other options that separate Mm -hmm. their time for money, for example? And that's also what you do if you don't have a built-in audience, right? Or or your built-in audience is relatively small compared to the person that you're pitching is then what you look for, you look for the holes. Mm-hmm. What are the holes in what they've been doing that match with what you talk about? And you put it in their language for their audience. So if their audience is corporate C-suite ex- executives, if their audience are CFOs, if their audience is independent consultants, I mean, you 
pitch that for their audience. And that's not hard. I mean, you have to do that anyway to get ready for the episode. Right. So you just do it for the pitch. Right. Like if I go on a podcast that's for architects, I'm going to use examples uh, with language from that universe so that it's more likely to land with the listener because that's ultimately what I want. You know, that's what I want. Well, that's always the green room conversation, right? Is tell me more about your audience. What are they, what are they thinking about this? What are their struggles? And, um, and that I, I do that when somebody just invites me on a podcast. Mm-hmm. But if I'm pitching them, I want to have a pretty good idea of what that is before we ever hit the green room. And that's what's going to make a pitch, you know, win. Yeah. And again, we're talking about podcasts because that's the most common area I think that either one of us are pitched or do pitches, but it, it does apply really to any kind of appearance. Well, even connection requests like in LinkedIn. Right. You know, if you're trying to build your network, this, I mean, how you ask them to connect has an impact on their likelihood of saying yes. No, I just accept them all. <laughs> I'm promiscuous on LinkedIn. But the other way, if you, and it sounds like you're not doing that, but where you look at somebody and you go, oh, I'd really like to, to follow them and connect with them. Yes, yeah, sure. Not everybody... Uh, <laughs> was going to say something else I won't say. Not, <laughs> not everybody just accepts everything that's in front of them. So, and it's interesting and some people are very very selective in LinkedIn. It's really interesting. It's like yeah. their inner circle and if you don't like actually know them, like in person know them, they won't accept. So, sure. yeah, I think that's another way to to meet people and it does tie to podcasts like the example I gave you of somebody connecting with me and I could picture the stuff going through their head oh my book's coming out in October I better get some I better get on the radar of some people who are in this space and have podcasts right <laughs> yeah, exactly can, yeah you can sort of see the wheels turn right and then then it's just that if you're in that situation because everyone's going to end up in that situation like you're launching something or whatever you want to promote or increase awareness mm-hmm. the it's like, I want this. And then it's like, what do they want? It's like, what's in it for me? Answer the what's in it for me question that will probably pop up in their heads. And it, it can, I, I like, I like this. I like doing this long game in the sort of slow burn kind of way where as I'm encountering new people in the space, never heard of them before, maybe their name has come up, but I really don't, I'm not familiar with their work or whatever. I'll start to kind of like go into their universe in all the ways that I listed. Like I'll, if they have a mailing list, I'll probably sign up for that. If they have like a, a, a community, you know, I wouldn't spend a thousand dollars to get into somebody's community, but sometimes they have free communities or they're like, you know, 20 bucks or something or nine bucks a month. Mm-hmm. I'll just, I'll jump in there and see what's going on and, you know, sort of look around. So you can imagine, depending on how big their organization is, they're seeing like this name, pop up this name paid them for membership this name is sharing stuff on social media maybe they review the podcast or whatever so like then it's like oh i've heard this name i've heard this name i've heard this name and so then when the pitch comes and i'm really familiar with their stuff it's gonna be it's gonna answer that question like what's in it for them you're you're almost an insider at that point and that Mm -hmm. might sound like a lot of work but it's only a lot of work if you're trying to do it to a hundred people at once Yes. So if you're doing it a little bit more surgically and organically, then it, if it's like if you're doing the homework anyway, 
then the pitch isn't really that much work. You just because you'll know the answers to all the questions. Yeah, exactly. So, like the th one thing that I've done on a couple of occasions, pr probably at least three times that I can remember, and probably like twice as many of that, maybe more, where I'll be reading a book, which is the kind of thing you would do for homework before. It's like it's like if a guest was coming on the show, it's like oh geez, I need to read their book. Mm -hmm. But if you're reading a book anyway, and you're loving it, and then you, in, before you're even done with it, you like ping the author on Twitter or LinkedIn and DM them and be like, oh man, this piece of this, or gal, this piece of this chapter seven, where you said this thing that my mind exploded, I'd love to have you come on the podcast to talk about it. Mm -hmm. So you were, you did homework, but you were doing it anyway, because you wanted to read the book. Right, right. So, right. So you, it's like, oh, okay, let me, let me seize this moment and i always do it right then because if i try and do it the next day the magic to. is gone somehow yeah yeah you got to do you have to do it in the moment yeah and so it doesn't feel like i had to do a lot of work to do it and it, it's worked a bunch of times a bunch more than three yeah it's worked it's worked a bunch of times like i don't know probably half of the the big name guests we've had on this show we're all from like somebody read, you know one of us reading the book and like immediately being like you have to come on the show <laughs> <laughs> you know and sometimes they say no, but sure. we sometimes hound them till they say yes. Well, <laughs> um, I think there's two, there's a couple of points here. And one is that what we're talking about here is playing the long game. And, you know, one way to think about it is what's the life cycle of this relationship? Mm -hmm. And when somebody is playing a numbers game, like, oh, I'm going to send this thing to 100 people, they're happy if one or two say yes. They're not playing mm -hmm. the long game. And I'm not, I'm not saying the numbers game is always bad. There are times when it's a good strategy, mm -hmm. but it isn't the right one where what you want is a, some kind of a meaningful connection that gives value to both parties. And that's why if you think about like, what do I want the life cycle of this relationship to be? Like, oh, I'd like to know them forever. They're like, they're my idol for mm -hmm. whatever topic they are well known for. Or, you know, what's that saying? Like reason, season, or lifetime, right? <laughs> sometimes oh, it's, it's just for a reason. Like, and that's what, you know, sometimes pitches feel like. It's like, ooh, I just want to get into your audience and then I want to get out. Boom. Mm. Goodbye. Mm. And, you know, I, I imagine that there are big or podcasts that have huge audiences where that's okay. It's not like they're going to be best buds with everybody who comes on the show, mm -hmm. but you still have to, I like this surgical precision wording, with surgical precision, show them what the value is. Yeah. The with, with them. Like the, the first communicator I ever worked with taught me that. And what? I'm like, oh, wow, with them, what's in it for me? Oh, there you go. She would always say, with them. And I would like do, do something and she'd go, mm, don't see it. Yep, exactly. <laughs> it needs to be, needs to be up here. You, you don't get to it till four pages in, you've lost your audience. Oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> right. That was when we did longer pieces back then. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's a good point. I'm going to point out a couple of scenarios where it's too late to play the long game. Or it's mm -hmm. never, I mean, it's never yep. too late to play the long game, but sometimes you have an urgent need, you know? So yes. I've had students where they've gotten into a cash flow crunch and they need to do like, they need to do anything they can to scare up business. Or like you said with the book, it's like, oh, wow, I. I should have started, you know, creating my network of my support network when I started writing the book, but 
I didn't think of that. And now the book's about to come out and I don't have anything set up. So there's kind of a, a feeling of a time crunch, like the launch is going to be in a month mm-hmm. and I've got nothing. Nobody knows about it. I don't have a lot of followers, uh, you know, whatever. Who am I going to tell? Right. So there can be times when it's like under pressure and it's a little bit closer to the the cold calling angle than it is to the the long-term gardening you know i'm gonna support what they're doing for six months and hopefully they'll notice me by the time i do reach out for something they'll be like i remember didn't you you know they're kind of Mm -hmm. familiar with you already so if you don't have time to do that i mean do that anyway but sometimes it'll happen that uh, it can happen that you're like i don't have time for that to i don't have time for those tomatoes to grow so i have to go out out in the woods with my spear and get a buffalo and (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Sorry, right. the tomato to buffalo threw me for a second. I'm yeah. with you. I'm with you. I think that's a Geraldineism. <laughs> so what do you do? It's even more important in that situation for you to get this right, for you to answer the Whiffum question so that you just nail it. Like it's yeah. it's even more important mm-hmm. that you get right to the point. Talk about them, not you. And it's like, hey, you know, uh, you probably it's I, I can't it's impossible to craft on the fly because I need to know yeah I would need to know the situation like a specific situation but in the example of a podcast host well here I'll give you an example okay so that that guy that I talked about mm-hmm. if he had written to me and said something like I know you pretty much never interview first time authors mm. but I have X to talk about that I think would be really interesting for your audience because it will show them this, this, and that. You, you, you do the counter, kind of like I know you'd never interview me, but mm-hmm. you know, I did that once with a with a, a I was pitching a man to a female podcast host that had only ever interviewed women, right? And you know, I knew that, so I put that right up front. Hey, I know this is a long shot, but this is why I think it would be really interesting. And the answer was a no. But she got back in a nanosecond. Like I heard back. And a lot of times, you know, you, you don't hear back when the answer is a no. Right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Imagine leaving that line out and pitching some dude to a podcast that doesn't, that has never interviewed a guy. It's just yeah. like, I Delete. Didn't yeah. do your homework. You, mm-hmm. you, the same email went out to a thousand podcasts, but the email you wrote did not go out to a thousand podcasts. It indicated yeah. that you at least did a little bit of research. You knew who you were talking to, you know, that sort of thing. Yeah, and I think a lot of times we instinctively don't want to double down on our weakness, but a lot of times, you know, it's pretty obvious, like, you know, gee, and I I did something similar when I pitched a couple of famous names to blurb my book, and and they were people that I sort of knew, but they certainly weren't friends, and they really weren't in my circle, like, it was really a stretch. Mm -hmm. I just put that right up front, kind of like, I know this is a stretch, but if you could see your way clear, and here's why it would benefit the audience to hear from you on this. You know, mm. I tried to focus on that. And I got some yeses. And I got plenty of no's too. Right. But yeah, it's you just do, do the counterintuitive thing sometimes. Right. So thinking of an example of that where somebody, what was it? Somebody, I got a pitch. I think I saved it. It was so good. And it started right off and it said, hey, Jonathan, you don't know me. Like it, that was the first mm-hmm. part. And I was just like, you know, and then it was like, but my name is blah from city. And, and I was just like, it's something was, there was something really arresting about that. 
just like being right up front. It, it mm-hmm. was like the opposite of trying to like, I, <laughs> I got this, I got this spam phone call the other day and I've, I've been, you know, waiting for a plumber to call me back, which is the worst part about that is not that it's going to, that it's taking forever for them to come. <laughs> the worst part about it is that I have to answer my phone. Yeah. To numbers you which don't I recognize. never do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, the, and the spammers are, are clever now. They get like alias phone numbers from your zip code, uh, your area code. So it looks like a local number. Mm-hmm. So anyway, I, I pick up the phone and it's this one of these like funding people like, hey, I left you a message about funding. And, you know, last time we talked, it was about this. And I'm like, I never talked to you before. Like, it's this phony kind of like try. Intimacy. Yeah. Like this fake picking up the conversation. It's like there's been no conversation. You probably sent me 100 emails and text messages and voicemails, but we have never talked. So anyway, the, this outreach message was the polar opposite. It's like, we've never talked. You don't know me. It's like yours is like, I know this is a long shot. I think that's awesome. I think that's great. It, it, that, would, that kind of a thing really stands out to me because the, the ones that don't, the ones that aren't like that are like they're sending you some, it's always on, it's, it's almost never the guest. It's all, they hired someone to pitch them to shows. Yes. And it's like they sent their resume. It's like, I don't want to read somebody's resume. Like what's in well, it for me? And there's a vulnerability in the examples we used mm-hmm. that's kind of saying, listen, I know I'm not your ideal person. Like this is very humble. And then, but I've been listening to your stuff and I think this message is missing and would be really helpful to your audience. You know, be, it would deliver these three things, boom. And then, yep. and then you move on. And then you separate yourself from whether they accept it or not. You just say, I did the best I could in this situation. Send it, hit send, and, you know, let the chips fall where they may. Yeah, yeah exactly. I get these, so like I have a YouTube channel and I get ones all the time that are like, uh, just like, they're just so obviously, they try to fake that in a way that's generic enough that they can send the same message to an infinite number of people. Mm-hmm. So it's not, it's just not specific enough to, to be real. And also there's usually a lot of graphics. It's like really over-engineered and long. And it's like, you're disrespecting my time like right off the bat, you're disrespecting my time, you know, with this huge message trying to prove. And, and if you read it, they're like, the whole thing's just desperate. I don't know. It, it, it's just, it just doesn't work. It does not work for on me. I mean, maybe it does work. Maybe they send out 10,000 and they get a hundred customers of people who are going to promote your YouTube channel. Right. Numbers game. Right. But do you remember Jonathan, I think it was maybe a year, maybe even two years ago, we had somebody who was hitting us up on social media and doing it in such a, a cool way. Like all of a sudden this person started sharing our, our tweets and it was interacting mm-hmm. and then, and it was maybe like a week or two. And then the ask came, <laughs> I want to be on your podcast. And it was like, it was too soon. Like I felt like the boy at the dance, like chose me and then wants to go kiss in the corner or something. You know what I mean? It was like, yeah. yeah, it was. And it was funny because we laughed about it because we both, it's easier in hindsight, but we could both, we both could see the, the progression and the attempted manipulation. And it was, it was pretty good. Yeah. I mean, it was, he did it really, really well. Yeah. If it was six months of that, it would have worked. Yeah, absolutely. Right. So it was just timing. But again, it goes back to the relationship because he was investing 
Now, he didn't play the long game. He played the longer than short, but not quite medium <laughs> game. But <laughs> yeah, had he, had he played it longer, it absolutely would have worked. I would have, I would have wanted to talk to him. Yeah. I mean, I think TBO is a little bit of a, like, I don't want to, this is all true. It's like, it's like give first, but I almost feel like that's, that's a, a related side topic to the pitch itself. Cause that's what, that's all laying the groundwork, right. And like building up trust and, and giving first and all of that. And that's all smart. And, and it's a useful thing to do if you have time to do it and making time to do it is probably a smart thing to do, but it's a very long game when you don't have that, that luxury for whatever reason, cash flow, upcoming launch that you didn't do any marketing for and it's, <laughs> you know, it's impending and you're, you're, you know, whatever your, your, uh, people who have expressed interest is like lower than you want. And you do this stuff. It's what, like, what would you say if we were going to make a uh, bullet points of the qualities of that message, let's say it's text, it's going to be either email or a DM. What is What's what are the, some of the characteristics of that message? Well, I want to talk about the tone because that's in some ways that's easier than the words. And the tone should be one of empathy where you understand as much as you can. And you have some insight into how you think they're thinking and feeling. Mm -hmm. And you're never going to be 100 percent right. But making the attempt to be empathetic is huge. Mm -hmm. So I would start with the tone is the most important thing. And then, you know, we've talked about, you know, what's in it for me. I think that's got to be the gold standard mm -hmm. is why should they do this thing that you're asking them to do? Right. I also like to tie it to something specific, um, something very specific. So that's why I, one of the things I love about um, asking or pitching people to be a podcast guest is when we pick something very specific, like, oh, we don't want you to come on and talk about the whole book. Chapter seven, this idea, we want to talk about that. And especially somebody who's been doing a ton of podcasts way bigger than ours, that's something they could get excited about. So it's something very, very specific. What about length? Three paragraphs? Tops, yeah. As yeah. short as possible to do all of these other things. Like respect my time, get to the point. Maybe that's just me. Maybe people, maybe some people love getting a thousand word email from a total stranger. <laughs> but like no cut to the chase what do you want like i open the email yeah. i see the email what do you want is the thought in my head i open it up my yeah. next thought what's in it for me mm -hmm. well they have to make the ask you know in those three paragraphs you actually have to make the ask not just like blah, 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 blah. yeah so that's this is a great point um make an ask don't just imp just don't leave the thing like at the end like let me know if you ever need to get like, no, yeah, they're not going to let you know. So you want to have an, a legitimate call to action. You want to ask them to take an action, a very clear, small as possible action to move the conversation forward. In most cases, I, I would ask just for a reply with a yes, no, or maybe not even a like booking link or uh, yeah, anything I don't do like the that. Booking so, like, link first. No, it's wait. too, it's, it's too much. It's like, I'm going to click on that. I'm going to have to do all these things. They, mm -hmm. they, they, uh, they might say, like, yeah, I'll do that later. And then they never get back to it because it's not exactly high priority. So if you just, if you close with, it's totally fine to say no, but would you be interested in joining us on the business of authority? 
for probably a 45 minute audio only conversation. Either way is totally fine, but just hit reply with a yes or a thumbs up and thanks for all you do. And so like there's a, like there is a question mark, yes or no. And then mm-hmm. there and then what do they do if they want to say yes or no? They hit reply and that's all they have to do. They can just reply, thumbs up, send. And then I'm like, "Great." And then send back, you know. Then I would be like, "All right, great. Here's a link to grab a here's, time here's or whatever." Link. But yeah. you want you want the ask to be incredibly like falling off a log, just incredibly simple, frictionless, and clear. Plus that ask, that easy ask allows you to follow up in a different way. Like if you did the whole ask with the link in it, mm-hmm. you you still don't know if they're a yes. Once they've said yes, then it's just a question of scheduling the time. Right. So then you can follow up and go, hey, you know, we, you know, just give them some kind of language about why you want to schedule it sooner rather than later. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Gee, if you, if, you, so if you pick a date by uh, the end of August, I can get you up there for this big push we're having in, in October that hits your audience. I don't know. Something like that. Yeah, it's, t- it's really hard to kind of riff on these in the absence of a situation I because <laughs> they're because they're so specific yeah yeah there, well there's tons of tons of situations and, and in order for them to be be crispy to like crackle to work they need to be like hyper specific so what do we say so the tone should be very empathetic sort of like a posture of service is what i like to think of how can i help even though i'm the one doing the outreach answer the question what's in it for me that the reader is going to be asking. Keep the length as short as possible, but no shorter, probably shorter than you're thinking. And have a very clear, easy way for them to take the smallest possible next action to continue the conversation. Don't jump straight to the like, hey, it's nice to meet you. What should we name our kids? Yeah, exactly. You know what we didn't hit on though, is we didn't hit on people who are making pitches to be in a conference, because those are usually formatted. Like you go to the conference site, there's a section Mm -hmm. and you have to follow their format, like proposed title, you know, a little synopsis, how it's going to work. So those are a little bit different just because they've given you a format and it's probably going to be longer than what we've just described. But here's a couple of tips for that. So the first thing is, See if you can back channel your way into a yes. And then if you get a yes, they'll say, ah, well, just submit this through the regular form, but I'll just rubber stamp it when it comes through. So I would still try and go around the normal channels to get either an introduction to the organizer or pitch it behind the scenes to, you know, a friend of a friend or maybe someone I know. Uh, But that's normally not possible, but I would try it. So that's the first thing I would do. And then follow all of the guidelines that we're talking about here. Uh, and then if you do submit the call for papers, I don't know why it's called that, but usually it's called that. <laughs> academic. Yeah. The old academic model. And read the guidelines there. If they went to the trouble to put together a form, they almost certainly went to the trouble to put together a list of stuff that they do and don't want or the theme mm-hmm. for the conference for the year. It's probably different than it was the previous year. Uh, there's probably all sorts of guidelines that about what kinds of topics they're looking for and, you know, read those and then just, you know, you're just going to like waste your time completely by submitting something that they're really not looking for that year. I remember one, I don't know what the conference was, but for some strange reason, the theme was like Star Wars and it was, a, it was like a business conference. And like, had I not known that, 
You know what I mean? It was like yeah. a, it was like a theme for the show. And uh, so it was like, all right. So of course that I'm going to, you know, insert my, these are not the droids you're looking for kind of humor into the pitch itself mm-hmm. and try and do as much of their work for them by crafting a, a submission that they could pretty close to cut and paste into their website. So that like, oh, wow, great abstract. This is a great discussion of the, or, or explanation of the talk prerequisites, what they, what the attendees should expect to get out of it. And they'll probably have questions for all of that stuff, but um, yeah. So, so submitting that through there, this is, this is unrelated, but I would, I would, if you do that, make sure you make an offline copy, like save what you wrote. Oh, do a screenshot. Yeah. Something because, because it's very likely that it will, you will never see that again (laughs) until you get accepted and you're like, wait, what did I say I was going to (laughs) do? (laughs) <laughs> and you don't have the information of what you said you were going to do. Um, also, it's not uncommon that you can have like, you know, a couple of different talks that you're kind of like bringing to each conference. So you can just save yourself some typing. If you, if you know, you don't get that one or you want to submit to a couple of different conferences, you can have some boilerplate that you start with and then customize it for each conference. Um, well, what else? I don't, well, those... there's, a, there's a couple things here too. I first is the headline. Because the headline is probably the most important thing that you do, and it's probably not more than maybe 10, 12 words. Mm-hmm. Um, so you want to really think about what the conference theme is. Um, think about what no one else is likely to title something, mm-hmm. i.e. be a little provocative, mm-hmm. maybe a lot of provocative, depending on your brand. And then yeah, the other... Sure, yeah. Yeah. The other trick I like is proposing something that they kind of can't say no to. <laughs> and one of the best examples I've ever seen is with a client who uh, is in tech. And, you know, one of the challenges a lot of tech conferences have is making sure there's enough women and people of color on the podium mm-hmm. and it's not all, you know, white guys, U.S. white guys. And <laughs> so, um, you know, she proposed an all woman panel. And knew exactly who she would bring in to do it. I mean, that was such a fast yes. It was ridiculous. And you know that a lot of people went to watch that panel. Like That was one of the highlights of the conference. So come up with something that you can do that maybe nobody else either can do or or everyone else is afraid to do it. Look for those opportunities. And I, you know, it's it's like the Venn diagram of where your brand hits the expertise and and the group that's running the conference. Yes. Yeah. It, that's extremely clever. It's, I've had not to we could probably do it. We probably have done an entire show on like conference speaking and like different tips and tricks mm-hmm. for that, but um what there's one other thing that I think is interesting that is common What's it called? There'll be different tracks. A lot of times a conference will have different tracks. Like there'll be like a how-to track. There'll be a one-on-one track. There'll be a big ideas track. There'll be a strategy. So, you know, they might have these different ones. And so you want to customize whatever you're proposing, you know, your future talk to fit into one of those like really well. Because if it doesn't fit in any of those, it's like a puzzle piece that is just going to get thrown out. They're like, no, this doesn't, I don't know where to put this. So you could even do two pitches if they allow you to, you know, pitches for different oh, yeah. tracks and they'll just pick one. Right. I don't, I know your chances. I was just talking to someone who pitched 11 talks for the same conference. And I was like, as the organizer, I don't know if I would like that. Yeah. That feels exhausting. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. But I guess I was like 11 and they were like, yeah, I talked to some other people and they had submitted quite a few too. And I was like, wow, wow. Okay. I've never done that. I've done two or three. I've never, never done that many, but you could, in theory, you could say like, oh, here's a how to talk. And here's basically a version of the same talk, but done in a one-on-one kind of way. Or here's the big idea version of this talk. Like, like it would have different titles and I would, I would, and it would be customized for each one of those types of tracks, but you know, it's the same expertise. It's going to be about pricing or it's going to be about how positioning relates to pricing. It's going to be about like something about the same thing, but delivered at an altitude that might be different depending on the track and therefore the people that would be sitting in the room. Yeah. And if there's, you know, some specialties, there's a gazillion conferences. So there's a process of figuring out like which ones are the best for you to speak at. But in other cases, there might only be one or two Mm-hmm. And they're like the big kahuna conference. And so, and maybe you're figuring out, like it's the first time you, you would have spoken at this and you kind of got to figure it out because some of the same old faces come back, right? Yeah. So you're trying to figure out like, how do I get my nose under this particular tent? So yeah, yeah there's a process and, and it's actually, it's kind of fun really, if you think <laughs> about it. It's like, okay, how can I get them to just love this topic and invite <laughs> me in? Like, what could I do to make this different from anything else they're seeing and so tight that they have to say yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Again, what do they want? Yeah. What do they want? They want to put on a great show. You know, they want to put on a great event, a great conference. So if you, if your, if your pitch is like, oh, I kind of want to see this, like there's <laughs> energy here. It seems valuable. Yeah. It's, clever it's punchy there's maybe a little sense of humor whatever your personality is that's coming through mm-hmm. that's what they want they're tr- like the thing you're guaranteed that they want is to put on an event that's so great that people come back next year you know like they want a bunch of people saying omg that was great so energized after that so many great ideas i can put to work right away that's what they want yeah, it takes a lot of admissions to cover the cost of doing a big conference. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, and the other thing is, like, if you're an introvert and you're like, let's say you're all about data, and so you think, oh, well, I'm not going to be like the, this glad hander on the stage. You don't have to be to do this kind of pitch because the same thing applies. You can find a place for your brand with that conference where you use your research as the pinnacle, or not the pinnacle, but the... Um, the thing that you're resting on, right? And all of the observations that you make come from a deeply researched place, sort of like a scientific approach. There is a lot of room for that in many conferences as well. Now, maybe not in a marketing conference quite as much, but there will still be slots for that. So, you know, we're not saying, you know, step outside your your basic brand and your personality, but find a way to bring the best of what you have to offer to what they want the most. Yeah, what do they want the most? Yeah, right. yeah. You're looking to make that match. Mm-hmm. Right. They've got a they've got a puzzle with some missing pieces. So you want to carve out a piece that's going to fit the whole. Exactly. Are there any other kinds of pitches? I mean, the, the book proposal kind of crossed my mind, uh, but that's that's so it's formal. Kind of like a different animal. Yeah, that's, that's a different animal. Yeah, it's not like a a three paragraph. Right. Email. Is there anything else? Well, I mean, I get, I don't get that many, but I get some in LinkedIn where somebody will say, well, can you introduce me to so-and-so? Yeah. And, you know, and if, if I know them and 
each party seems like they're open, I absolutely will do it. But that's that's kind of a special kind of thing where you're trying when you're trying to match somebody, it's like I want them to each know something about the other one. What what I see is their sort of zone of connection. Like mm-hmm. where might they come together? But I don't even know if that's really a pitch. A little bit. So there's one there's I did this thing years ago called the introduction game, which is a PDF on my website where where it's kind of like market research into a new positioning statement or someone who's trying to craft a new productized service or just some, they're trying to, they, they basically need to go on a listening tour. And, mm-hmm. and it's a, a sort of approach to network, you know, to use your network to get introductions to the appropriate person for these kinds of interviews. And, and there's, there's a, it's absolutely a pitch that you would give to, that you send to the person you do know, and I'm not going to be able to do it off the top of my head. So you can, you know, we'll link to it so you can go read it. But it's it's kind of like, do you know anybody that is like X? Uh, I'd love to talk to them about thing. Or it's like mm-hmm. it's like, um, and then you give them you give them the pitch that they're going to send to their friend that you don't know, or that mm. you know you you're not asking to get introduced. Right. Hey, Alice, could you introduce me to Bob? It's more like. Hey Alice, do you know anybody who are like my 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 ideal client in the past year was you know I don't know a seed stage startup that was, had a non technical founder and no CTO. Do you know anybody like that? And Alice is going to have a Rolodex moment. It's not you're asking to be introduced to Bob on LinkedIn, but it's like anybody like this, and a whole bunch of people are going to be like, yeah, actually I do. And you know, here's here's what I'd like to talk to them about. And if you uh, could send an intro email, here's a starting point. And that's like a pitch. Mm-hmm. And it's. Yeah. And it's, it's only got like four sentences to it. It's like, I'd like to introduce you to this person because they, they want this and they're impressive in a way that might be useful to you. So there's like, there's like a little piece of street cred in it. And then the, the ask for the no call to action. Like, mm-hmm. it's totally fine if you're too busy, but would you be open to having a phone call with my friend, Steve? Yeah. And, you know, just hit reply the yes or thumbs up and I'll, I'll send the intro email between the two of you. You guys can take it from there. So it's real short, real clear. And it has all of, all of the elements for a situation like that. Yeah, I can see that. And, and what you're doing in that case is you're increasing the likelihood that the person you're asking for the introduction will actually do it. Right. That's one of the most frustrating things for people inside LinkedIn and outside LinkedIn is when somebody says that they'll make a connection and then they don't do it. Yeah. Cause so like, if you can oh, give them a tool say? to do it. Yeah. Yeah. It increases the likelihood and that's worth something. Mm, absolutely. Anything else? I don't, I can't think of anything else. Asking for a testimonial is not a pitch. Um, intros, events, podcasts, guest blogging is kind of the same as podcast. Yeah. Uh, pitch is a pitch. Yeah, pitch is a pitch. <laughs> All right. So we well, we've given the dear listener a checklist of at least five things to think about when crafting a, a pitch that will maximize their odds of success. Yeah, this is all about connecting with people and finding a way to help someone get what they want mm-hmm. through you. Yes, help people you like get what they want. Exactly. It's the same, right? It's it's this. It's a business strategy. It's a marketing strategy. It's a way of being. Maybe that's mm-hmm. what should be in my tombstone. <laughs> <laughs> Rid the world of hourly billing. Anyway, okay. So I think we've I feel like we're at the bottom of the barrel here. So hopefully that was helpful. 
and uh, you know where to get in touch with us if you have questions. But otherwise, that's it for this week. I'm Jonathan Stark. And I'm Rochelle Moulton. And we hope you join us again next time for the Business of Authority. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.